Welcome everybody, I'm Richard Krauss. This week we're going to do something just a little bit different. Instead of talking about Kanye West's Twitter account or what color Beyonce's hair is this week or all that other pop culture stuff that we spend our time on on this show, uh, we're going to uh, concentrate on one guest and one movie. The movie is called The Child Remains. The one guest is Michael Melsky. He is the director of A Child Remains. And this story grabbed me, Michael, because the publicist for the film emailed me and said, do you know the story of the Butterbox Babies? And I said, I'm from Nova Scotia. <laughs> yeah, of course I go. know the story of the Butterbox Babies, but I'm not sure if everybody knows the story of the Butterbox mm. Babies. So I will say the movie's called The Child Remains. We'll give you all the details you need about that. Alan Hawko is one of the stars. You're going you're gonna to enjoy this. It's a gothic horror film. Uh, but the Butterbox Babies, I think you have to set this story up for us mm -hmm. because it's an unbelievable story. Yeah. Well, you know, everyone in Nova Scotia is still haunted by uh, the ideal maternity home. What happened, it was, you know, back in the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, uh, uh, adoption was very unregulated in Canada, private adoption. And um, the, the stigma around having uh, a daughter who was uh, pregnant out of wedlock led to the uh, emergence of many of uh, private maternity homes all over North America and, the, and you Europe. you literally hide your daughter who was oh, exactly. pregnant. Once you started to show, you'd exactly. send them off to exactly. this home. And then, you know, they were at a sanitarium getting well, and then they'd come back without a baby, right? Precisely. And and, and so they were they existed because of the shame yeah. of, of that. And, um, you know, it's and misplaced. Mm -hmm. uh, but... You know, parents would send their children, as you said, their young daughters, to these homes, and the homes would provide a service where they would board the pregnant mother, deliver the child, um, and and sell the child for adoption. Right. And the girl would return unscathed. And they're often in, in secluded locations, like the Ideal in East Chester, in Nova Scotia. Um, and but what started to emerge over the years was that the many of the babies who were unwanted. Or, un, or deemed unsaleable, often they were of mixed race or, or sickly, um, were were often murdered mm -hmm. and buried in uh, dairy boxes in behind the the maternity home in butterbox boxes. Butterbox, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, they were they were they were essentially the home the home a home, a home like that would use a lot of milk, of course. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, tending to so many newborns. So the babies were buried in the boxes that were feeding the other newborns, and it was just atrocious. And some of them were starved to death with molasses and water. Um, you know, there's stories of you know uh, like babies put in the in a hot, stinking basement, and their their diapers were unchanged, and flies were landing on them and feeding off their feeding off the sores. I mean, it was a real torture chamber, and. And Lila Young, yeah, yeah. And this went on for decades. I decades, mean, this wasn't decades. just something yeah. that happened for a year and then someone said, oh, this isn't right. Yeah. This, this happened for decades. Yep. And Lila Young uh, was brought, she was investigated several times, but, you know, this was a booming business. She mm -hmm. was wealthy. She had. A, she, she lawyered up and she fought off every uh, serious investigation of what she was doing there. Um, she was eventually driven out of business. Um, but the rumors persisted to this day, and the people have said, you know, we there's a whole group on on Facebook and, and online, the survivors of the ideal maternity home, who attest to, you know, these rumors being true. No one's found any of the bodies of the babies, right. but 
It's kind of like common knowledge. It's like Jimmy Hoffa. We we know he's <laughs> buried know somewhere, yeah. but where is he? So it's, uh, yeah, so it felt like years later, uh, the Lila's daughter uh, tried to open the place as a country inn. And I read that in one of the narratives, and I said, great idea for Haunted House movie. Yeah, so yeah. And, and the the couple that ran this, yeah. this maternity home, uh, William Young and uh, Lila Young, he was an, an unordained Seventh-day Adventist minister and chiropractor. She yes. was a midwife. Yes. And, you know, they were probably very welcoming when you got there. Oh, no it doubt. It wasn't a, a house of horrors. No, no doubt. Until after you had the baby. No doubt, yeah. Was, they, they had to be public, you know, public relations people as well. Mm-hmm. And they were very well thought of within the community. I mean, the ideal was one of the biggest moneymakers you know, in that area. So people depended on it. People like who supplied the groceries, the, the dairy, the milk, you know, um, and it was one of the things that enabled her to get away with it is that, you know, like Lizzie Borden kind of back yeah, in yeah. the day, like, like how could it's been possible? It was inconceivable that, that this could be going on. So I'm speaking with Michael Melsky. He's the director of a film called The Child Remains based in part because it, it, it takes some liberties with, uh, it, with the original lessons. story yeah. uh, of the Butterbox Baby. And I want to spend this segment just talking about the Butterbox Babies because uh, I grew up down there. It was in the air. You would hear these stories, and, and everyone seemed to know about it. Then I did some more reading, uh, and there's you know a few books that have been written about it. Uh, there's a, a book called The Butterbox Babies by Bette Cahill, but... Uh, some of the stories are just unbelievable. So you said that they would starve these babies on a diet of molasses and water. Uh, they dumped them into the ocean or burned them in the home's furnace, which may be one of the reasons they say that they couldn't find the bodies of these yeah. undesirable babies uh, because they weren't all buried. They were disposed of in other ways. That's true. And, and you know, the, so- the, the I'm sure from growing up there, you know the soil is uh, has a has a very, uh, very high uh, lime, lime content yeah. in a lot of the areas um, on the south shore, and uh, you know what do you use to decompose bodies? Uh, you it's know lime. by lime, yeah. and and you know between rotten wood and lime, you know you kind of have an ideal place to to dispose of unwanted. Yeah, there's anything. not going to be much left exactly. uh, because the, this home ran from uh, 1928 to 1945, so it's been a long time mm. now. One of the other things that they were alleged to have done, and this, again, is just background to when we start talking about the child remains, sure. uh, is that they would create twins for people that, a couple uh, would show up yeah. and say, oh, you know, we really want twins. And well, we just so happens we have twins here for you. And they would create or separate twins at will. Yes. that's. I mean, how traumatizing is that? I mean, yeah. that, you know, the only other place I've heard of something like that happening was like a Dachau or something, yeah. you know, and this was... You know, small town Nova Scotia. I mean, you don't think of those things. That's why it's still it's still in the shadows. It's it's like the it's like Nova Scotia's boogeyman. This yeah. this story. It, it really does feel that. And, and since many deaths and uh, births went unrecorded, the full extent of the atrocities committed at the ideal maternity home will probably never be known. And a lot of the local uh, unmarried women. Uh, they they were you know the, their newborns were sold and they were told that their newborns had died yeah so they didn't even know so the 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 mothers weren't profiting off this mm-hmm. and it wasn't cheap yeah they were selling babies for upwards of ten thousand dollars in nineteen forty five prices which is That's, you know extremely you a lot, can, when, a lot of you, money today when, yeah well and down there. You could buy a house for uh, $2,000 probably. Yeah. So this was a lot of money. Yeah. And one of the other ways uh, on the sort of black market of babies 
um, that they made money was selling babies to Jewish families who were not able to have their own children. And there were strict rules at the time about uh, adoption within religions. Mm. And uh, they got around that by just saying, yeah, these uh, these kids are Jewish. And they sold them to American yeah. uh, families uh, who wanted uh, babies. Yeah. And so, I mean, it, it, it really is one of the darkest chapters of Canadian <laughs> yeah. history. Now, you are from Halifax. Mm -hmm. uh, tell me, when did you first hear about this story? Well, I, I grew up with, uh, I'm sure you did, being from Nova Scotia, a book called Helen... Mm -hmm. Blue Nose Ghost by Helen Creighton. Listen, every house yeah. in Nova Scotia has a copy of that book. <laughs> it's like a Bible of it horror. Is. It is. Yeah. Um, Nova Scotia is a very haunted place. Um, and Helen Creighton was a folklorist who traveled to the small yep. communities. And she got this ghost stories right from the old timers. Um, and it's not a book you want to read before bedtime. No, it's all about haunted ships. Yes. And, and where I grew up, on the south shore of, of Nova Scotia, where I grew up, the stories are legion. I mean, it, it's a very superstitious place. It is a place that believes in ghosts and, yeah. and believes in, in, you know, things that go bump in the night. And exactly. part of it is because everyone had a copy of Blue Nose Ghost <laughs> sitting in their right. house. That's true. <laughs> so... Um, I, I guess I, I gradually became aware of it when I went to university in, in Halifax and started to, you know, meet people from the South Shore and, and yeah. you, you know, you start to, you know, stay up late night conversations <laughs> and trying to scare each other. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's probably where the first time I heard of it. But, you know, not having a natural affinity for these kind of things, I, I sought it out and learned as much as I could about it. And, and, it, it, you yeah. say you have a natural affinity for it. It should be noted you're wearing a red room shirt right now. <laughs> That's and, true. And uh, and we were just talking about being in in England, and you said, "Yeah, my wife wouldn't let me take the Jack the Ripper tour." So <laughs> this is something. <laughs> this That's is something right. you've got. You've got to. You lean towards this kind of material. I do. Uh, I I you know I have to blame my father. He was a wonderful man. He he loved all kinds of movies, westerns yeah. to, you know. Um, to classic, you know, classic comedy, Billy Wilder, I was yeah, raised yeah. on. and But he also loved horror movies. And um, he, uh, you know, encouraged. I mean, there was never, you know, this is a film festival where Tom Holland, the Child's Play director, said, horror is the redheaded stepchild of, yeah, of yeah. you know, narrative film. And it was never that way in my household. My father loved horror and thought it was just completely legitimate storytelling. And... Back in those days, you could also, uh, if if a horror film was playing and it was PG and you weren't old enough, you could just get a note from your parents That's and say, right. yeah, he's old enough, let uh, him in, let Richard, him in. Richard, my father pushed the batteries. Vogue <laughs> Theater, Paramount <laughs> Theater in Sydney. The ticket, this, this old cranky ticket lady, my father would try and sneak me by to see things like The Shining and, <laughs> and Alien. I did get into Alien. Yeah. I don't think I got into The Shining. <laughs> I remember, uh, but she 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 let him. She's like, "Are you crazy? You did you want to take your son to this?" I remember the the deer hunter. I also came yeah. to love. She was like, "No, no, sorry, I'm drawing the line right here, sir. You're not taking your son to see this." You that's know, hilarious. Russian roulette scene for a nine year old. Yeah. Yeah, that's, you know. that's a little bit too much. We're talking with <laughs> Michael Melsky. Uh, the film is called "The Child Remains." When we come back, we'll continue the conversation and we'll get to the nitty gritty about what the story is all about. Stay with us. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Richard Krause. In studio, Michael Melsky joins me. He is the director of The Child Remains. Now, we just spent the last 
section of the show talking about the Butterbox Babies. The Butterbox Babies, if you are from Nova Scotia, is just part of your DNA. It's a story that you grew up hearing. And certainly it was for me the story of a maternity home where babies were sold, unwed mothers had their babies taken from them, uh, babies allegedly murdered, thrown into the ocean, buried in butter boxes and, uh, and, and thrown into the backyard. It's, a, it's a, one of the darkest chapters in Canadian history. So this kind of lit your imagination on mm. fire. And Michael, mm. you are uh, an East Coast mm. filmmaker, playwright, uh, you're a, an, a screenwriter, all sorts of things. There's probably no part of the filmmaking community that you haven't touched at, at, at some point. Uh, not animation yet. Not animation yet. <laughs> well, we'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there eventually. And, and so you were talking about growing up, your dad uh, gave you a, a love of, of horror films. Uh, this story is so grim, and it's been turned into a movie a couple of times before. Mm-hmm. So you went a different way with it. Yeah, I mean, I'd seen the 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 it was CBC uh, did a TV movie uh, adaptation of the Butterbox yep. Babies book, mm-hmm. um, and it was more of a kind of courtroom drama. I think right. Sonia Smith was in it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and you know, it was it was very good for what it was. But you know, I you know, I I, I took the ghost story supernatural uh, horror route, which which <laughs> which felt like a new take on the story. Yeah. And considering, I think I mentioned that Nova Scotia is still haunted by the story, mm-hmm. it felt like uh, a way a way in because you know what, when you talk to young people in Nova Scotia now, a lot of them don't know the story anymore. Right. So it wasn't you know, there's there's a gap between it being passed along. Um, and I think you know, this this movie hopefully will go some distance to you know unearthing unearthing the uh, uh, story again for the next generation. And you have to be respectful of the story. Totally, These absolutely. These are real people's lives that you're that you're touching. Even absolutely. a lot of them may have been anonymous. Yeah, a lot of people may not know that they were, you know, yep. born and 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 then sold off from this place. But absolutely. you have to be respectful about it, right? Absolutely. I, you know, without, you know, it was never going to be exploitative for me. It was going to be just the sense of abject terror of of being, you know, I wanted to capture feelings like what it's like, to, what would it be like to be confined there? What it would mm-hmm. be like to have your baby ripped from you and told it was dead? You know, I wanted to put the audience in those positions through the characters and through the, and I felt like that would make the horror uh, and the ghost story more palpable. If you start, if you really felt those emotions, uh, along with being scared, so the film starts in the 1940s, in and around there somewhere. Yeah, no, I, I actually moved everything up a bit. Right. Some of these homes in my research, I mean, the ideal is the main inspiration, yeah, but yeah. some of these homes were in operation. I found out till pretty much the early 70s. And, oh, wow. And I and I and it was because. The reason they, the early 70s uh, was, seems to be the place where they, is because of, um, you know, uh, civil rights. Women were having children out of wedlock. The stigma was, was vanishing. Um, you know, the free love movement the right. hippies gave us. Uh, so these, these maternity homes were gradually fading away by right. the early 70s. And that tied in to, it, it allowed me to not make a period movie as much. But it starts as a period film. Though, yeah, like the I, first 10 minutes we, of it, it is. It starts in 1973. In 1973. So Just fr- as the, house was, the home is kind of at the verge of closing, where a yeah. lot of bad stuff has happened. Yeah. And and then this ha- this thing happens that will ultimately be the you know powder keg that blows up the box. I'm speaking with Michael Melsky. The film was called The Child Remains. So we start off with... with 
a recreation of alleged events. Let's just yes. say that. Yes. yes. And then it cuts through till much later, present day, and, yeah. and you've got a young couple that checks into this place. It's now not a maternity home anymore, but it's a it's an inn called the Mersey. I grew up in the Mersey River, so yeah, I, I yeah, remember. You yeah. got it. And and uh, it is something, uh, it's supposed to be idyllic, but then it just gets creepier. And I don't want to give anything much away about what actually happens. But the, the horror builds. But it, it really struck me that it's not uh, a horror film uh, like uh, Saw. It's not a horror film like we have been seeing recently. This is more like a gothic horror film. This mm. is a, a, a film about... Uh, the, the the stuff that happens when people think they're going mad, they don't know if it's Man. true or not. It, it, it really gets under your skin. Thanks. Uh, it, you know, the three main influences uh, were uh, The Shining, uh, Rosemary's Baby, right. The Orphanage. Yeah. Um, all, ele- I think, elevated, uh, character-driven, story-centered uh, horror uh, yeah. that, was, that were also all really scary. And psychological... Horror, I mean, you know, this is something magic, back to my theater days, there's something magic about a triangle. The triangle is, is a magic thing in, in drama where you have these three people, the innkeeper, the young couple, yeah. you know, it's late November, they're the only people staying at the inn, and how That's much fun you could have psychologically. Yeah. Never be the only people at no, the inn. <laughs> exactly, yeah, exactly. Um, and, yeah, so it's it was... It was it was always important to me that when I knew, I knew when I came around to making a horror, you know, the the 70s were my touchstone. The, the, you know, those, you know, The Exorcist was a very seminal movie for me. Yep. Um, you know, The Omen, Don't Look Now, The Changeling, which is 1980, yep. Canadian film. The Fog, uh, John Carpenter's film. Like, those were those were the ones that really imprinted on me. And when I, I knew I wanted to make that kind of movie, even with contemporary twists. So. As a filmmaker, do you go back and have another look at those, or Absolutely. is it you do it? Eh? Oh yeah. yeah. So I, it doesn't just live in your memory. No, and, it's no. like it's like it's like it's like an old friend. Yeah. I, I own I own most of these movies on DVD <laughs> or Blu-ray. It's like you know, it's like you know, when when you're being inundated with uh, you know action hero movies and you know uh, you know Netflix new content, and sometimes you just want something that's going to be. You know, uh, it's like it's like comfort food. You know, yeah. it's the, it, it's it's wonderful. It's nutritious, um, and sometimes they just don't make them any better than that. Which yeah. you know, unfortunately, it's too true that you know once in a while they they happen. Um, you know, like uh, you know, Get Out. I loved yeah. recently. Um, the Anatomy of Jane Doe, uh, Autopsy of Jane Doe, um, and so. But yeah. 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 So you go back and have a look and just sort yeah. of refresh your, reset your mm, brain a little bit towards precisely. that. Well, the film is called The Child Remains, loosely based on the Butterbox uh, story. I was going to say legend. It's not really a legend. It actually happened mm. in Nova Scotia from mm. 1928 to 1945, uh, where uh, babies were taken from their mothers and sold and, and some allegedly murdered. It's an incredible story that provides the spine of this new film by my guest, Michael Melsky called The Child Remains. When we come back, uh, we're going to talk about the casting of the film because essentially there's only really four characters. There's probably more than that, but in my mind, there are four characters mm-hmm. that stay in your head. Yeah. And and I want to talk about casting because if you don't sure. get the casting right, 
Nothing else works. Absolutely. Stay with us. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Richard Krauss. In studio, my guest is Michael Melsky. His film, The Child Remains, uh, is opening across the country, wherever you are right now. Check your local listings, because it will be playing at a theater near you. And it's based very loosely on the Butterbox Babies. If you haven't been listening to the whole show, I'll set it up for you. A maternity home from 1928 to 1945 in Nova Scotia that sold babies and then allegedly murdered the ones that they couldn't sell, burying them in little butter boxes in the backyard or throwing them into the ocean. Uh, It is a story that is legendary if you grew up in Nova Scotia like I did, if you read Blue Nose Ghosts by Helen Creighton, the book that every Nova Scotian family has at least one copy of uh, sitting somewhere on a bookshelf, maybe covered in an inch of dust now, but when it came out in the 70s, everybody read that book and the story was in there. Michael Melsky was one of those people and he's used that kind of as the the, the backbone of uh, his new film. So I want to talk now about the casting of this movie because David Cronenberg has said over and over again, casting is 90% of the director's job. It's completely true. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't get the casting right, then this isn't going to happen. So essentially there's really four characters that you walk away Mm -hmm. with a, with a very strong memory of. Uh, So a small cast set kind of in the middle of nowhere. And I kind of love the sight, the sense of isolation mm. that, that comes along with this because, of course, what's scarier than kind of being cut off from everyone with no cell service and, you know, mm. all that kind of stuff. Uh, in a little inn that looks idyllic, but there's just something kind of odd about uh, the, the, the innkeeper. She has, she seems friendly, but there's something kind of odd about yeah. it. So tell me about casting that part. What were you looking for and uh, what did you find? I was looking for something like uh, uh, the, um, I think she was the governess in Robert Wise's The Innocents. Right. Mi- mixed with uh, Betsy Palmer from Friday the 13th. <laughs> and I thought I needed someone who could walk that razor's edge yeah. and, and be able to provide that, you know, proper, you know, Nova Scotia's, uh, you know, very it was a colony. It was one of the earliest colonies yep. of the British Empire. So there's still those roots there. Mm-hmm. I said I wanted that, but I wanted someone who just could could the menace was there even when she was offering you cake. Yeah, and it's you know? bubbling under the and, yeah. and it's something that, f- for my money, helps build the tension in the early quarter of the film. Yeah, when you're not yet. Still exactly sure what's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, and, and just her kind of odd manner. Well, Shelly Thompson was the first person cast in this film. Like, um, you know, when the first version of this film uh, collapsed due to the Nova Scotia tax credit. We'll um, talk about that debacle. a little bit later on. Yeah. Shelly Thompson, uh, I knew I had to refocus, reconceive the page one rewrite. And I said, this is only going to work if I have the, you know, a good person for the innkeeper. I knew that yeah. person had to be from Nova Scotia for the, we're already, I was already counting pennies and I haven't written the script yet. Right. Um, and I knew Shelley's work from Trailer Park Boys. Yep. But I also know, knew her from theater and I, I knew she could do way more than Barb Leahy. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Shelley was re- dramatic, you know, trained at RADA. She's, she knew that British thing very well. Um, and, and she could also, and she was totally game to play outside of her comfort zone and she 
I remember the first time I sent her the script and she she read it. Two days later, I got back. Ah, all caps. <laughs> I said, I think she's in. And, and of course, she was, she was a treat to work with. And uh, yeah, and she scares audiences to death. Which is all well, the other creepy character, we'll, we'll get the two creepy ones out of the way and then sure. we'll move in. So, uh, Geza Kovacs. Yeah. Now, you know, it, it, he's a name that you may not recognize, but when you see his face, you will immediately yeah. go back to David Cronenberg films like Scanners and, and The Dead Zone. He's a very recognizable, creepy guy. He's a yeah. genre star. And he plays a, a, a character in this that will give you the willies. Yeah, he's he was a he was a really nice, happy find. I'll tell you how it happened. I wanted the late John Dunsworth. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And John and I worked together. He did it one of my shorts years ago, and just a terrific guy. And and you know, casting locally was going to be extremely important. First film set I was ever on yeah. was Life with Billy, and uh, John Dunsworth was was uh, in that. Yep, he played uh, the lead character. They, yeah, so so. Um, John was going to be on tour with Trailer Park Boys, um, and and John was felt terrible because he yeah. was dying to do the role. He was like, he's like, I'm going to knock this out of the <laughs> He's like, and then he they were on they were in Japan and he couldn't get out of it. It was his you know bread and butter. I mean, yeah. it's not easy to survive in Nova Scotia even for John Dunsworth. But he said, I've got someone for you. If I can't do it, he said, Geza Kovacs, and I knew the name, and I, he was like. He was like, seriously, he's your guy. He'll do it. He can stay at my house. <laughs> he, I will, I will use his air miles to help you fly him here because I know you guys are gonna have butt yep. issues with that. Um, and you know, I known him from his work in this genre work. Yeah. You know, he was in the Scanners and the yeah. Dead Zone and the Entity. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, you got genre cred. I am. And I met, I met, I skyped with him. And as soon as his face appeared on the Skype, I'm like. Okay, I'm scared. Let's do it. Let's yeah, do he, it. You're in, buddy. Uh, I'm speaking with Michael Melsky. He's the director of The Child Remains. Uh, he has a face that's made for horror movies. And that Absolutely. sounds like an insult, but it's been his bread and butter. So I'm, Absolutely. You know. He's got that that old look. I mean, like you know. Like Nosferuta or something without the makeup. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, he, he reminds you of, uh, uh, you know, like, a, oh, God, like in, like a Brian Cox or an Ian Holm. or yeah. Like he's got that gravitas and the voice and and that and that gray beard and those you know piercing <laughs> eyes you know and he also tell wonderful stories about making the dead zone and you know parting with Christopher Walken and Martin Sheen <laughs> till the wee hours i mean you know Geza Geza was a was a real fun guy to work with and and i love that audiences are are loving his return to to the genre so. as soon as you see him you know yeah that that there's he's going to be an integral part of a very creepy story. Yeah. Even if you don't know it's creepy yet, you know that he is going to be yep. uh, one of the one of the the the, the cornerstones of it. Yes, yes, it works really well. The film is called uh, "The Child Remains." It's opening soon in a theater near you. It's opening in Nova Scotia yeah. uh, now, which I think people down there are going to flock to this film because it's their story. Yeah. We it's had, one of their stories. We had a great opening. I'd just like to say if it if you if it's not in a theater near you, you can always uh, call Cineplex or uh, uh, email them and tell them you want this movie there. Um, so and you can go to our website and there's a demanded form and you can just try to name an email down in your location and, and we'll do and our best. What's, what's the uh, what's the uh, website? www.thechildremains.com and the film, The Child Remains, my guest, Michael Melsky. More when we come back. Stay with me.
Welcome back, everybody. I'm Richard Krauss. Growing up on the east coast of Canada, I knew all about the Butterbox Babies. It's a, a dark chapter of Canadian history, maternity home from the 20s through to the 40s that sold babies from unwed mothers that allegedly killed babies, buried them in these little butter boxes or threw them in the ocean or burned them in their uh, furnaces. So it's a, it's a, a dark period of our history <clears throat> and one that has been brought back to life in a form by my guest, Michael Melsky and his film, The Child Remains. Michael used this as kind of the, the, the cornerstone of uh, his film, which is set in Nova Scotia. And it's the story of a young couple that go to uh, an inn, a beautiful little inn, that the kind of inn that sort of dots the landscape down there. There's mm-hmm. a ton of these places. And uh, something sinister begins as they as they enter. And I don't want to tell you too much about it, but we're talking about the, the casting. <coughs> and you have some really interesting people in this. The, the leads, Alan Hocko and um, Suzanne Clement, Mm. Again, if you don't care about them, you don't care about the story. Yeah. Tell me about Alan and Suzanne. Well, casting had to come together very quickly uh, as we were, you know, approaching the year end and approaching, we'd been carried over another fiscal year for our funders stayed with us through the tax credit crisis. So we knew we had a window to get it done. And casting, which usually sometimes can take years uh, it came together in about three weeks. Wow. I have to thank my agent, Perry Zimmel. Perry, if you're out there and listening, I called him and I, Perry has some big people like he has Christopher Plummer and yeah, yeah. Ed Asner. And I was, I know I'm not going to get them on the budget we had, but I said, do you have someone you could recommend? And, and he said, I just signed this incredible French actress, Suzanne Clement. And, uh, I knew her name, but I hadn't seen her work. She's worked with Xavier Dolan I, I, and I, Mummy and that sort of thing. If you, of, yeah, yeah if you know Dolan's films, you know her. Exactly. I think I'd seen one or two of Xavier's films, yeah. but I hadn't seen Mummy yet. Yeah. And uh, so I, someone, someone shuffled me a copy of Mummy, and I, and I was like, Suzanne's incredible. Yeah. Um, will she do it? Like, like a horror movie? Like, yeah, yeah. you know. I said, well, we're 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 kind of in you know the mode of we got to get this done, so so let's send it to her. And and Suzanne read it and instantly got back and said, I love it. I'm 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 in. I like really. And I I read the email two or three times. Like okay. And you know she didn't really even need to Skype or call. She was like just was a trust. Let's just and, do and it. It's yeah. like instantly we connected on set. Mm-hmm. She was a treat to work with. Just fierce, yeah. a fierce loving sweet lady and i was so we we're blessed i mean day one i had her she was running around you know in elmsdale nova scotia in december in bare feet in a maternity <laughs> gown after being on the quasette in can yeah, yeah like you know like uh, that's that that to me is the mark of true of true stardom when you can and she would come up smiling yeah. like every time i asked her to do she would just bounce back and deliver uh, consistently, and what a treat. And her husband is played by Canadian sweetheart, Alan Hawko. And, you know, Alan is someone who seems to be working constantly in everything. Caught is on television right now. Uh, He's, you know, uh, when he's not in front of a camera, he's on a stage somewhere. This guy uh, just loves to act and loves to tell stories. Yeah, like Alan, Alan's, I, I used to think, I told Alan, so I used to think I was the hardest working guy on the East Coast. <laughs> then I met Alan Hocko. Uh The guy is, uh, again, just a genuinely down-to-earth, awesome fellow to work with. Yeah, yeah. He loves to work. 
He uh, has a very high standard of excellence. Um, he uh, said yes to this right away. Again, first offer. Um, and I think he, he was really interested in the story. And I think he said, he said, I get scripts all the time. He said, but he said, I don't get these kind of scripts. And to play against the, you know, the magnum of, of, of St. John's Republic of Doyle, uh, image that, that is out there about him, I think was, was, was part of the draw and yeah, I'm so happy to have him. And he's great in the film. Yes. Yeah, he's great in the film. Um, this is a, a, a horror film. It's a psychological drama. And it was interesting. When you were talking about Suzanne Clement, you said, you know, she gets offered a lot of stuff. And I mean, and she accepted a horror film. Do you think that horror films aren't given the same kind of respect no, I do. that other I, films are? I, you know, I do. I think it's starting to change. I think yeah. this year this year was a real touchstone with, uh, you know, with the get, get out, out change, and shape of water, yeah. um, but you know, I, I get you know, I hearken back to you know, Rosemary's Baby yes. was you know that she, Mia Farrow got nominated for an Oscar for that. Ellen Burstyn in The Exorcist, uh, same thing. She she owned that movie. Um, there was a time when horror was more character driven yeah. uh, and story driven than it was now, and and I I wanted I desperately wanted to make one of those kind of movies. That's the only way you're going to get someone like Suzanne or Alan or yeah. Shelley to buy in at this budget level. So Yeah, because the other kinds of movies are the Saw movies, they are yeah. the Final Destination movies, which can be a whole lot of fun to go see in the theater, but they are about, you know, the the plasma budget of the film more yes. so than, than anything else. Indeed. Um, you know, you... There's, I, I, it's like it's like comedy, and I, I know I've, I've dabbled in comedy. My first feature growing up was a comedy. If if, if 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 you write the characters well, you direct it well. The audience cares more. They laugh harder if they care. Right. And same applies to horror. If they care about the characters, they're gonna be more scared. They're gonna their empathy is going to increase, and that you know comes from you know dimensional writing and casting the right person to to bring those dimensions to life. And uh, yeah. And you mentioned empathy. You know, this is something that that I've ended up talking about a, a great deal. Um, I know that people out there listening have 100-inch television screens and they've got surround sound and they've got all that stuff, but I still think that movies were meant to be seen in a theater, surrounded by strangers, in a dark room. Bless your heart. Yep. And, and I think it's hardwired into our DNA. I think it is hardwired into our DNA from the moment, you know, that cavemen used to tell stories sitting around a, a, the, the, a, a campfire and the flames were going, and they would tell stories to amuse or scare their, their friends all the way up to, you know, the Globe Theater and vaudeville and beyond. I think that there is no better feeling than being in a dark room with a bunch of people and I think it creates empathy for the characters on the screen because you see how other people around them are uh, around you are reacting to it. I know people are tired of people texting in theaters. I know that popcorn can be expensive. I know all that stuff, but I don't think that anything, no matter how nice your house is, that it it replaces the theater experience, the theatrical experience. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I tell that caveman story, I believe, exactly. It's the first time I've ever heard it from someone else. And good on you, Richard. We're the, from the East Coast, the, man. We, we the, think with one mind. Well, the, you know, the, you're right. Those are the, you know, why do we tell stories? When yeah. I'm teaching, I say, what's the, what, are, what are stories useful for? Stories were the way that, that brought community together. They were the, you know, when you're sitting in the dark around the campfire, the dark 
was terrifying. There yeah. were things out there that could eat you. You know, there were there were ghosts. There was a, a cosmology that, you know, everything was trying to kill human beings. Uh, and, you know, we developed stories as a way to bring, you know, to, to, to shed light mm -hmm. on the darkness and to unite as a community and to share that experience of terror and hopefully, uh, you know, purge it or, or it could be something cathartic. Well, I think that horror films work well in a theater because people like to be, uh, people like to feel safe or be in a place where they feel safe when they're being scared. So you get uh, that adrenaline rush, the dopamine, whatever it is, the dopamine Precisely, effect. Yeah. Uh, but you're, you're safe. You're in a absolutely, theater. There's people around you. Yeah. yeah, when you're in the dark in a theater now, you know, it's there, there aren't saber-toothed tigers lurking out in the <laughs> darkness. There's more like a pizza pizza in the lobby mm -hmm. or an arcade. But it's still the same. It's still, I think it's still, we're, it's still hardwired in us, in our DNA deep down that, you know, that's the way we should enjoy movies. Yeah. Not, you know, Netflix and chill with your spouse. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, it's, it's you know, we're, we're, we miss that communal experience uh, by not by not going to the theater. I'm so. speaking with Michael Melsky. His film is called The Child Remains, and he doesn't want you to watch it on your phone. Go yeah. to the theater and see it, and, and <laughs> you'll be able to see it uh, across the country, and you go to www.thechildremains.com. Yes. And uh, you can demand to see it if it's not playing at a theater near you. Uh, it is opening on the East Coast. I think it's already open on the East Coast yep. by the time this airs. And then it's been open in a few other places, be open uh, everywhere soon. Uh, check it out. It's a psychological horror film that builds up suspense. Um, did you ever think, and we've just got a couple minutes left, did you sure. ever think about uh, throwing in some more what are now traditional scares into the film, you know, the jump scares that we hear so often or or some more gruesome stuff. Uh, because what I loved about this film is that it is pretty uncompromising in its style and yeah. in its gothic horror. And I, I, I'm, I'm glad that it doesn't go yeah. for anything other than what it is, psychological horror. Yeah, it's it's... I, I'm not a big fan of the jump scare, jump startle really is the, you know, they're, they're not, they're not scares really. They're, they just dis disorient It's a you. loud sound that it's makes you go, what? It's a loud sound, yeah. yeah and there's, it's so overused. Teenagers are doing them on YouTube videos. Yeah, and yeah. I think it's a model that's, you know, audiences are becoming tired with as well. Yeah. Um, you know, some of my favorite horror movies, The Shining didn't really have jump scares. That, Rosemary's the Shining Baby didn't have jump scares. A, a, a soundtrack a little while ago, yeah. I was in another room. My wife had it on in the living room. I was in another room, and really, all I could hear was the was the soundtrack, and it made me anxious. Oh, a yeah. room away, like that soundtrack eats away at your spine yes. <laughs> until oh, yeah. you were so anxious you're you're about to explode. Well, yeah, we 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 uh, looked at that soundtrack closely when we were we were doing the uh, music comps Asaphilius and I. Uh, yeah. Um, you know. Jumps, you know, there, there are there are about three or four places in the uh, where the audience and the child remains jumps. Right, like yeah, but I I I think they, I wanted them to be earned. Yeah, I didn't want them to be used like just like candy to decorate right, a right. boring plot. They right. would they would be earned the way that the best my my one of my favorite movies Jaws. Yep, you know Ben Gardner's severed head yeah, yeah. floating out of the the <laughs> hull, like was you know I, I have there's a mo there's a couple of moments like that. But earn it, like, yep. and and the score, like, we we tried to do something. You know, we used to, I, I wanted interesting sounds, like, there's a thing called the Aztec death whistle. They used to, like, blow into a skull right. when they were about to hum sacrifice a human being. And people are recreating these now 
and the sound is incredibly creepy. And it, it, it's the perfect sound when I heard it. It's like, that sounds like a baby being buried alive. And so we have the Aztec death whistle in there. So it's like trying, you know, sound, you're right. Sound yep. sound can can really make you uncomfortable. It, it so. sets the mood for the whole thing. Michael Melsky, the film is called A Child Remains. Thanks so much for being here. Uh, my pleasure, Richard. Thanks for a great interview. Thanks to you for listening, and thanks to Andre on the board. We'll see you next week.